You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. It is sadly true that churches have not always had a good track record when it comes to integrating people from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Few Christians in leadership would want to have a monocultural church, but in practice there are a range of challenges in creating a church that's truly multicultural. It's also the case that in the UK churches with a congregation made up of those from an ethnically or culturally distinct population, they very few have actually functioned well perhaps in the short term, but questions have been raised about how sustainable they are long term. Well, I'm joined on the Leadership Show this week by Colin Edwards, who has considerable experience of living and working in cross-cultural contexts. He is originally from New Zealand and having studied medicine, had a first career in South Asia, working in health and development for 17 years. He completed a PhD in mission and theology in cross-cultural contexts, and in moving to the UK, worked in mission education with Redcliffe College. So I'm looking forward to chatting about what we might look for within church and mission when it comes to cross-cultural work, both within a country and particularly, of course, within the UK. So welcome, Colin, to the Leadership Show. Thank you, Andy. Good to be here. So uh, let me give you a scenario that was uh, evident to me, Colin, to start with. Uh, I worked with a charity that was delivering pastoral care training, I was invited uh, to lead the course in the Tottenham area of North London. Uh, as the day approached, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll log on to the website, discover a bit about the church. And it found that it was predominantly Ghanaian, uh, 90 plus percent with people coming from across the London from uh, who were ethnically Ghanaian uh, to meet at this church. So this was an ethnically focused approach. Uh, and that's, of course, not untypical of some churches in the UK. Sometimes that's uh, in the label, uh, they are the, the Chinese church or whatever. Um, and there's le- generally little connection with the neighbourhood where the building's located. So I, you must be familiar with that kind of model. Yes, yeah, there are uh, several types of churches like that. And what that church exe- is exemplifying is two factors um, at the same time. One is, as you say, the ethnic uh, monoculture uh, aspect to it. And a lot of churches do that. Uh, and in fact, a lot of churches do that accidentally, um, without real, without really meaning to, um, but have grown in an area that is of a certain class and a certain ethnicity. Um, the other aspect that you're just talking about there is the fact is the idea of a, a gathered church rather than a local church. And those two things have intermingled um, there. And I, I, I certainly have a very similar church just down the road from me here. Um, so that area of of being of having an ethnic focus that may or may not be um may or may not be deliberate uh, is well worth sort of honing down on and having a look 
when uh, I left South Asia, I came to the UK and was working uh, in church growth. And I thought, well, I really got to spend some time understanding the church here. Uh, yeah, I'm foreign. Um, so I spent two, three years just traveling. Part of it was traveling around, meeting different churches, looking at different models and uh, and also seeing the experiments that um, Mission had bought from uh, um, abroad into the UK. Uh, one of the experiments was of people like myself who had been somewhere, South Asia, elsewhere, and come back to the UK and go, you know what? I'm not British anymore. I'm sort of this funny hybrid and I don't feel at home. And such people then sort of go, oh, look, here's my people. You know, they're speaking Urdu. They're speaking Bengali. Um, and I feel really at home here. And here's, here's my the food that I've grown to love. And the local church has sort of said, yeah, we know these people are here, but we don't really have, we don't have the first clue of how to begin to interact. So there were a a group of experiments of people going, well, I'll move in. I'll speak the language. We'll we'll look to develop a church that is of um, this uh, of this nature. And um, these off there were these experiments of deep cross cultural churches, um, often planted by uh, missionaries coming back home, often started by missionaries coming back home and using a second language, whether that's Urdu or or Bengali or something else. And seeing how that grew, uh, the interesting thing there was often there was a start, but they didn't build in the DNA of change. And therefore, you've got granddad who may have a big beard and speaks Urdu, the son who has a clipped beard and speaks Urdu in English, and grandson who doesn't speak Urdu. And right. with the, that, the, that form of church did not know how to cater for the change that was occurring across generations. And so um, we saw this set of experiments of deep cross-cultural churches being planted that ossified and aged and died. Um, so that was one experiment. The other experiment is the one that you have sort of highlighted where people have come from abroad and started their own cultural um home church whether that's Ghanaian or Nigerian or Chinese or Nepali I know some some lovely Nepali churches um and they tended to be better at catering for change because they were people going through the process of change and growing into change but there is still this tension particularly around young people as to a fear is that are they going to become British and all the bad things that that Western culture is throwing around and how do we keep to value well that which is from my home culture and how do we keep our young people valuing that so that is always a tension and in cultures that look to the past in time and you talk to young people in those churches they feel that tension very very much um and so those were two experiments that uh, I saw and and watched grow and saw the strengths in them and saw the weaknesses in them. Right. Well, maybe we'll, we can unpack some of that uh, in the course of the conversation, Colin. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a missiologist, but I, I know enough about McGavran's homogeneous uh, unit principle, um, you know, that uh, 
which I, I looked it up, a homogeneous unit is a section of society in which all members have some characteristic in common. So the the idea is that in evangelism, you know, Turks reach Turks, Greeks reach Greeks, Brits reach Brits, you know, because we know the culture, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, uh, my Ghanaian friends in, in North London, they could reach Ghanaians much more easily than the Brits could. So in that sense, there's some value, I guess. Yeah, this this is an idea that grew grew up in missions abroad, and it had a, a, a certain place, but that place just grew way out of proportion, and it became, I think, it became quite destructive. But what McGovern was really looking at is, uh, say, in a place like South Asia, where the traditional church has often used Hindu terms, so the word for God is Takur which is a, a Takura is one of the names of the pantheon of gods. And if you're talking to someone who's Muslim and you and you talk about doing puja, worship to Takura, well, you've instantly just set up this massive wall um, because uh, the, the uh, a Muslim colleague is sort of going, well, there's only one God and you've just mentioned the name from a pantheon and puja is what you do to idols and idolatry is the biggest sin you can commit so there's this um there are these high barriers even in that simple term let alone dress and diet uh and um facial hair etc etc and um mcgavern was really pointing to we don't need people to change culture i don't need to become korean in order to um, to worship God, I can I can be a Kiwi, I can be a New Zealander and worship God as a New Zealander. And my Muslim colleagues in in South Asia can stay in their culture and keep their names and keep their diet, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and still uh, and and still worship, uh, st- still follow Jesus. So in that point, that was good. But the problem that grew out of that was the idea at the what and is this is what happens you know as a western doctor when i work in england my colleagues are western doctors and nurses um or egyptian doctors and nurses but of a very sort of educated level and of course as i talk about jesus that's where the church will grow and i can't expect people who um who work in uh in other jobs as mechanics actually to grow very easily unless i happen to live right next door to one um so that's the homogenous and that's the is uh, the homogenous unit points principle points out something that is unfortunately that became an ought this is how we should work okay um and then after that it also became quite micro is you actually have a very thin layer of what should be and so those two things wrapped up really have um have caused problems over the years yeah and it's kind of led to what could be known as a marketing-led approach so you you find out what your neighborhood is you know what the the age demographic would be uh, and then you tailor stuff as it were tailor the gospel or approach to those now there's a sense in which of course that that happens instinctively to some degree you will play music uh, that's appropriate for the age group or whatever in your in your church but but nevertheless it 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 can um can blur the lines between um 
the the truth and um and proselytizing in an inappropriate way perhaps so so colin can i just ask you um what what are the new testament principles that should govern our evangelism and equipping and 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 kind of you know if if you're a leadership team and many many listening to this will be on leadership teams in local churches they want to reach people and maybe they've they look out and they think crumbs we're we're not bad at reaching a particular category of people but we're lousy at, at, at culturally distinct people. So what should be the principles and uh, and how might they go about it? Sure. I'm going to start a sort of slightly left field and come back yeah, to sure. this. Um, the whole, I, I like the idea of koinonia or koinonia. Um, as a Greek word, if you were not reading Paul's letter, if you were using that word just in everyday language at, at, Paul's, uh, at Paul's time, what would you mean? You actually tended, the predominant meaning was of a business partner. Um, didn't mean fellowship of getting together. It meant someone I was in business with, which, of course, in that culture was usually family. You you did business with family and often within guilds as well. So quite a tight knit community. So um, but the point of it was that you were family and business at the same time so you would sit around and that coming from new zealand i've certainly been um at at the dinner table on a farm where the family were talking about what was going on in the farm um and okay so what's going to happen out in the back paddock do you need do you need to have and it's it's sort of being together and talking business with the father sort of uh figure um sort of drawing out from the rest of the family what they need what resources can be shared etc etc i think that's a lovely picture of church just that we're all around the table together um with with our father looking at both being family and doing and doing the family business um which of course for us is is the kingdom the the values and the outworking of the kingdom and justice and 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 growth and love etc etc um, and so if we then look at how that was worked out in Acts, we notice uh, in Acts where the Greek widows were being overlooked. And when that was seen, um, they didn't just appoint one person to see to the problem. Actually, they said, we need seven people. And those seven people, which matched, the, uh, uh, it was resources weren't just, it wasn't just... Um, uh, a small um, token thing and go, actually, we really need to address this in a full way. Um, and so there were these seven deacons looking at this whole area. Um, and that's, I think, a, a wonderful expression of how the church, we see uh, we see something under God and we go, okay, how do we really put resources, not just token resources, but really uh, full resources to what, what we see God is leading towards us. And then the last thing I, th- I think that come is about this is that while churches tend to have developed their own culture, um, we're open to multiple cultures and in Acts, the real the real wrestle was do people have to become change cultures in order to follow jesus and that that was no you can be greek and follow um and follow jesus you can be jewish and follow jesus and um my muslim friends colleagues can be stay in their muslim culture but follow jesus they don't need to change their names etc etc and so we can have we we're looking towards the family which is 
I love Michael Goheen's comment, which is the gospel is irreducibly multicultural, that we need the fullness of cultures to be fully kingdom and fully gospel. And that's the fullness of family under God. And and I understand that that some multicultural churches, um, Colin, um, might have ethnic groups within them. So, you know, maybe they're a church, I don't know, two or three hundred, and maybe they've got 50 who are, if you like, a monochrome culture, and they form a, yeah. they form a small group, so that they would worship culture multiculturally. But then that small group can have their own sense of identity as well. Yeah, is that, is that at, wise? Do you think? The, the, well, yeah, this is another model. I mean, one of the models we talked about was deep cross-cultural second language church. The, the second model we looked at was the one of uh, people starting their home culture here in a different culture uh, a third one is of a, a larger church that's that is allows for small groups cell groups and deliberately focuses a couple of those as being home for people for uh, for multicultural um whether that's uh people coming from refugees or uh, who are refugees and asylum seekers whether that's looking at people who are, um who just live close and going actually if as part of this sub part of the greater family um we have our own identity which is multicultural and allows for all the fullness that multiculturalism brings, whether that's um, food, whether that's uh, approach to worship, whether that's approach to time, um, all sorts of things. And um, but within the larger church, that's certainly uh, a uh, a third model. Um, one of the issues there, and having I've just recently changed church because of care needs of uh, a family member and the church that I've joined up is to has has really spoken to me it's really been an eye-opener because this church has several cohorts within it uh, one is a um a, of people with special needs coming in wheelchairs and uh, other um special needs there's a there's a cohort of people who are refugees and asylum seekers there's a cohort of people who are aged 80 and above and i was teasing the um the church leader the other day saying Look, we don't make the people with special needs um welcome and they were slightly taken back because the reason is it's their church you don't welcome people to their own church they are part of the welcome and that's really struck me that each cohort was not othered they weren't some some other group that was made made welcome each week but they, it was their church. It's, it is their church. They are part of the welcome for others. And I think that's, uh, a, that's a church that sort of makes space through, through small groups for multicultural um, uh, engagement. So it has to be slightly careful not to other, the, other them, but actually have uh, help them see themselves, uh, help them be part of the church they're part of the welcome for others um i spoke at a spring harvest uh, uh event a, a while ago and uh, a lovely turkish lady came up to me and said do you mind if i say something i agree with all you say but do you mind if i add something i said sure and she said and she spoke to the to the group uh, to the um audience there and she said i'm not a trophy i'm a sister 
And I thought, oh, that really struck home, that these small groups are not to trophy people, that to, to help us all feel at home, but actually also an ownership of homeness, an ownership of being family. Yeah. So, I mean, Colin, you, you've described different models, and uh, as I understand it, you think there's kind of strengths and weaknesses to each, and I guess your advice to leaders is is kind of work out what what's appropriate for for your gathering within the the new testament principles that you're you're suggesting presumably to if if it's a multicultural church it would be important for example that the the leadership would be would have representation of different cultures itself yeah and thanks thanks for picking that up andy yeah i'm not against any of these models they all have their place i do think that the ch- the the strongest model in most situations is the one where there is a larger church with smaller cell groups that allow for the flourishing. Um, but I do think there is roles for the other churches and leadership in each one needs to think through what are the strengths and weaknesses of the type of of uh, role that we have. Um, yes, I think leadership needs to really give voice to the fullness of the subcultures and uh and cultures with, that are part of that uh of that worshiping community and i think too here i would i would um state that class is as important as um as different ethnic cultures uh one of the best discussions i had was when i was up north and i met met up with a church who um, they had two distinct classes of people. There was a, was a, a class of people where, um, uh, where unemployment was rife. And it was also happened to be a church where there was a gathered um, professional community. So people driving into the center of the city as part of the church. And these two, and the, the leadership was going, we've really had to work of how do we, not patronize allow one one group to patronize the other um but actually develop leadership that is uh, is key and that speaks to the other groups so allowing leadership to grow up from amongst the the class of people where unemployment uh and zero hours contracts etc they were key parts of the leadership actually speaking to and inputting to the lives of um of the more professional um uh gathering uh, part of the, of the community and i learned a lot from that conversation sort of 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 valuing and flourishing each part so that the whole is is much more the sum of the parts is um some of the whole is much more than the sum of the parts no well well said thank you uh, colin and certainly there have in recent years been books and and courses run to try and identify particularly the the working class stroke middle class divides within yeah. the mm. UK uh you will know probably that typically local churches have sprung up more in middle class areas in the UK and working class areas have tended to be um less churches are less vibrant for whatever reason and you know that's that's for others to analyze but but certainly um there's a different culture um, you know, there's a book culture in the middle class that doesn't always exist yeah. in the working class, and there's certain values, subtle values. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, so. You know yep. that that some working class people in in the middle class church have felt very very distant 
because of the assumptions made about them, uh, which yeah. which have been un- inappropriate and unhealthy. And that's that goes against the koinonia that you expressed so wonderfully earlier. Yes. Yeah. And it's so it's seeing this this panoply of cultures and subcultures that each is valuable. Each has a huge amount to offer and each fills out the kingdom of God uh, in a way that that is is absolute gold. And it's helping um, it's helping each group flourish and speak to the others and know that they're valued in giving to the others. Well, sadly, time's pretty well gone, Colin, in terms of uh, um, <laughs> of our time. We've kind of poked at a few a few issues. A few things, yes. Uh, yes, and, and with, without being able to, you know, just because of the nature of the time. Uh, are there particular books that have helped you in your in your studies that come off the top of your head that, that if people are thinking, yeah, this is an issue for us, it will be useful for me to... Um, to I mean, Leslie Newbegin is, is one that yeah. many, many look to. I don't know if that was yes. one that yeah. you valued. Yeah, we've got Leslie Newbegin, of course, came from um, South Asian culture into um, uh, into back to the UK. So he speaks very much to, from to and from my my sort of experiment experience. Uh, theologically, Kenneth Bailey, um, particularly Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, just helps open our understanding that there are cultural ways of reading, yes. and to let other cultures uh, really. Um, speak to us um uh lastly to, to change top again uh, i've just written in big um in big letters here with exclamation marks after it pray uh it's that actually in in spending time in prayer as as leaders and as church uh and as groups to go actually Lord Jesus, how do we follow you here and now? What are you, what are you leading us into? And that that there is absolutely no um, no no getting past it. The more no we spend, no. In, no sub. Thank you. That's the word that I was after. There's no substitute for it. Um, but the more we spend time in prayer, both as individuals and as leadership and as as in cohorts, mixed cohorts, then the the more we will find under Christ this coming togetherness. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Colin. Really appreciate all, all that you shared. Oh, it's been a pleasure. That was my conversation with Colin Edwards, looking at the challenges of multicultural church. This may be a pressing issue for you, or maybe one that you know you need to investigate. So I hope our chat gives you some pointers on some of the models that exist and some of the areas that you may need to consider in seeking to involve perhaps a wider group of uh, culturally or ethnically mixed people within your congregation. And I'm sure Colin's encouragement to seek the Lord uh, is an apt one. Uh, as we pray, the Lord will lead us, I'm sure, to the right approaches. So this is Andy Peck, thanking you for your company and looking forward to the next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine. Premier Christianity magazine.